As the racing season winds down, the separation season begins. Now, when I say separation season, I don't mean the season to separate yourself from racing, although that's exactly what many of your competitors are doing. And that provides an opportunity for you to separate from the pack. Within This Is Bracket Racing Elite, we focus on growth year-round, but the gains, they're, they're small, they're incremental during race season for two reasons. Number one, because your attention as a racer is split, right? You've got upkeep, maintenance, travel, all the things involved with the racing season, in addition to a focus on your own growth. And because other racers are working hard at that time too. It's this time of year, this separation season, where putting in the work can really allow you a leg up on the competition. If you're serious about doing just that, and you'd like to surround yourself with a group of knowledgeable trainers and accountable peers with the tools, the resources, the wisdom to help you take that next step, and perhaps even with the occasional kick in the pants to keep you on track, this is Bracket Racing Elite is the answer. We've helped thousands of racers just like you take the next step toward becoming the best version of themselves on the racetrack. Elite can help you do the same. Enrollment is open as of Monday, November 27th, and it closes December 8th. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. I'm Big Jed, Jared Pennington. He's Cool Hand Luke Bogacki. If you're a regular listener, thank you for your patronage. If you're new, you'll probably catch on soon enough. Our goal is to shed some light on the events, news, and issues in sportsman drag racing and the stars within it. Welcome back, or welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast, where we sometimes discuss U.S. Olympic athletes, adult film stars, and sportsman drag racing. I am joined, as always, by my man, Big Jed, Jared Pennington. How are you, sir? Luke, I'm well. I'm very well. I'm uh, just really excited about talking about some foot brake racing this week. We don't get uh, a whole lot of great foot brake races to discuss, so I'm excited about that. There's some impactful NHRA performances that we'll talk about this week. Looking forward to hearing that and hearing some of your breakdown and, and just slight nerd out on those subjects. And, um, you know, we had a, a huge tweet in our life uh, recently, so excited about that as well. How about you, my friend? I know you're on cloud nine still from, uh, from the weekend at Topeka. Yeah, we had a good time at Topeka, uh, not based on my performance whatsoever. But, uh, yeah, as we'll talk about, my wife Jessica was... Uh, Runner-up in Supercomp over the weekend to the Topeka Dominator, uh, Austin Williams. It was, a, it was a special day in our camp. It was a lot of fun watching her do her thing at a high level. So, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll talk through Topeka. To your point, we've got uh, big dollar box in no box action uh, across the country. Three winners at New Media that I've never heard of. We'll get into that. Larry Jeffers has officially bought the IHRA. We'll touch on that. Tyler Castle joins the Double Up Club. We'll talk on that, plus a little bit of you know, capital J journalism, limited amount of reckless speculation in this particular episode, all that and more. But first, P-Jizzle for Rizzle. P-J, no <laughs> 
All right, Big Jed, we've got some NHRA action. We've got some Big Dollar Bracket action to cover. But first, the IHRA saga continues. We don't have a ton of insight. We don't have a ton of insider information, but let's let's share what we know. Yeah, Luke, I mean, obviously, uh, this has been going on now for a good couple of months. Um, been in the public view for a solid probably month. Uh, but it's kind of died down. Some of the some of the things we discussed, and some of the the um, transactions that are, are, are communication that's taken place has been a little quiet. But it is officially official that Larry Jeffers now owns the IHRA. He has made the purchase complete, and you know from this point publicly, he has vowed to bring the that sanction and body back and, and bring it back to the glory days that it has seen probably a minimum of more than a decade ago, but more likely two decades ago when it was in, was when it was in its prime. And Larry Jeffers has vowed publicly that he is going to bring that sanction and body back to those days and put on great programs and bring pro racing back. So it's going to be real interesting to see how the IHRA moves forward under Larry Jeffers' watch and uh, what kind of team he assembles. Um, obviously, we know based on what we've discussed here, he's lost some team members, but uh, and some key team members at that. But you know, he uh, seems confident again publicly that uh, he can bring it back and make it happen, and he's assembling the, the team to do so. So it's going to be interesting to see that play out for sure. Definitely. I, I, Larry Jeffers is now at the helm of IHRA. I don't know what that means exactly going forward. I mean, I read the press release just like you did, just like I assume most of our listeners did. I don't have any insight beyond that. But judging by that press release, they seem adamant about not upsetting the apple cart, if you will. Like It, it, it seems very apparent that they're going to do everything in their power to uh, fulfill their obligations in terms of what we care about, you know, the, the bracket racing side of things, the, the 2022 season ending awards, the Summit Super Series, the ET finals, like all of that, it certainly is their intention to go off as scheduled. So that's really good news for, for our, our, our racers, our listeners that are racing at IHRA sanctioned facilities, right? Um, what it means going forward is still really cloudy. I mean, we talked about our, the insights that we had gleaned in talking with the, some of the principals and, and some track owners, you know, a month ago. Um, but I don't know what the update is on that. Maybe we need to get a little bit of boots on the ground and see what the uh, what the climate is like. Will there still will there be an IBRA? You know, as it was widely speculated. And if so, which of those two sanctioning body options, assuming that there are two options, will the tracks that are currently IHRA support? Like, will it be divided? Will they all go one way or another? And what does the future hold for either both of those sanctioning bodies? I think that is all very much still up in the air and, and perhaps still um, undetermined. Very much so. There's uh, obviously a lot more questions than there are answers at this point, but uh, that's kind of what keeps us in business. So uh, we will uh, we'll keep following this as closely as we can. And we both have uh, a, a couple of um, people that are pre pretty close to the situation that uh, are helping us. Yes, sources. Because at times when, when we choose to put that hat on, we can be capital J journalists. 
Yes, yes, we can. So well, I think we'll I think we will hear any significant information as it's happening um, just by our connections that we have. So we'll be sure to report what we know for fact or, you know, maybe even what we hear a little bit about uh, as we go forward. We, we at times we can be capital J journalists and we and at the same time we are not above reckless speculation. <laughs> yes, very good point. All right, let's talk about some actual on-track action from the week that was. We've got a little bit of big dollar bracket racing to talk about. If it's okay with you, Big Jet, I wanted to start with where I was at over the weekend, the NHRA national event in Topeka, Kansas, also known as Austin Williams Heartland Park. Yeah, the Austin Williams Invitational uh, happened again <laughs> uh, this past weekend, but uh you know, it uh, looked it looked like a great event, and obviously, as we discussed this and the results, this uh, this had to be super special for you and your family. Uh, really, really big event for you guys, and, and it wasn't due to to you. So we'll uh, we'll talk about Austin, obviously, and what he's done there. This guy's incredible at Topeka. He, he Austin's an incredible racer, no matter where he's at. I, I don't I don't mean to to make it sound like it's limited to Topeka. This guy's amazing. He is very talented and just a, an absolute winner. But his record at Topeka Loop is just incredible. I mean, it, it's a, just a phenomenon. To your point, I mean, Austin Williams, it, there's, there's not much in this sport that he hasn't done. He's a two-time world champion. He's vying for potentially a, a third championship this season. And he's now with his super comp victory at Heartland Park or Heartland Motorsports Park. It is no longer Heartland Park weekend. With his super comp victory at Heartland Motorsports Park over the weekend, marked 17 times that Austin Williams has hoisted a national event Wally. Seven of the 17, Big Jed, have come at Heartland Motorsports Park in Topeka. Better yet, how about the final round record? In national events at Topeka, Austin Williams is undefeated, 7-0. and oh. Very impressive, uh, obviously, to get seven in one spot. And we're talking about nationals now. We're, we're, we're just focusing on the national event wins that he's accomplished. Since and Austin's been racing, there's one of those a year. And Austin's, what, mid-30s, <laughs> early 30s? Yeah. <laughs> one seven, I'm like, do the math. It's pretty seven and Seven in one spot's not a very common thing, Luke. I wish that this trivia time, I wish I had an answer for trivia time. I, I should have been more prepared, but I would ask you, Trivia, how many racers have won seven national events or more at one facility? That's a very uncommon thing, and Austin has done it seven out of seven times. That's a short list. Um, just off the top of mind, excluding the, the professional categories, I don't know if it's seven. Peter Biondo's won Indy a bunch. Um, and I would imagine Fletcher has won seven somewhere. You know, <laughs> you figure, I don't know, he's won, what, 105? And spread over every national event facility, seemingly. So maybe not. You know, seven's a big number. Yeah. Um, I, I think Austin is, if he's not the only one to do that, he is in very, very rare company in the sportsman ranks for sure. Yeah, obviously very rare company. And I can assure you seven in one spot out of 17 total is unheard of. Uh, that, that just doesn't happen. That's, uh, you know, you're, you're getting up there at nearly 50% of your wins with it being seven 
17 is the total. Now, there's probably some two out of fours here or there, but seven out of 17 is uh, is incredible. And it's, uh, you know, it's unexplainable, really. Uh, Topeka is 1,320 feet long in the right lane and the left lane. I guess you see some weather swings there that you might not see at a lot of facilities. And being able to read the weather there is probably somewhat of an advantage. But you're not racing cupcakes in uh, super comp. You know, those are talented racers that have weather stations and certainly have probably been there before in most cases. So what he's accomplished there is, is really remarkable. It is. I don't, I'll push back a little bit on the, the inexplicable nature of it, just in terms of two things. I, I think you and I can both attest, Jed, and, and many of our listeners, like, for whatever reason, to your point, there each quarter mile racetrack is 1,320 feet, but there are some facilities that when you, particularly when you have success there, just when you roll in the gate, you think, oh, they can't, not in my house, right? Can't whip me here. And obviously there's a ton of confidence that, that follows Austin Williams to the starting line in Topeka. Specific to the, the nature of Topeka, it's a unique place. Like I know Bristol has its oddities. That's, that's one that you're obviously very familiar with in terms of Bristol's a tricky place to, to get dialed. It, it, certainly at certain times of year. Um, Topeka is like that in, in terms of there are just tremendous weather swings and it's so nuanced in terms of wind and over the past, you know, what we were there two of the last three weeks, like the swings in moisture, humidity, vapor pressure, water grains, just I've never seen anything like it. And Topeka seems like it's always got something, right? And so, yes, it is beneficial to have a, a database from that track, which Austin obviously does. But I would just say that the nature of competition there really plays to Austin Williams' strengths in terms of you don't see a lot of, it's rarely a like 90 to 90 race. So like you don't get a lot of that at Topeka. Everybody's just a little bit lost. Like it's very, very difficult to get dialed. And I don't think that Austin, okay, so like there is some portion of this. Austin is, is better able to dial his stuff at Topeka than, than, than most, certainly. But there's also an element to when no one really knows what they're going, boy, that is Austin Williams' wheelhouse. Like he's just so... Um, mindful, like, um, what's the word that I'm looking for? Like, it, he's a thoughtful strategic racer. Like, there's a lot of room for creativity at Topeka. And, and Austin just makes all of the right decisions. Like, when you don't necessarily know what you can go, I'd say Scotty Richardson is the, the best, right? Like, he's the guy that you want to just kind of have the sixth sense to make all of the right decisions. But Austin's along those lines in terms of, he knows when to cross first. He knows when to cross second. He trusts his judgment, whether it's watching the cars in front of him or, or having a, a knowledge of the, the starting line difference. Like it, everything plays into what I think are some of his greatest skill sets. And I think what are what makes it really, really difficult for most to have success at Topeka, I think actually really plays to Austin, if that makes sense. Makes total sense. And you, you said he, he trusts his judgment as he should, because uh, that, again, that record at that facility is incredible and just another testament to his dominance there and his talent and ability to, to turn on wind lights and big impactful final rounds. And he's had quite a few of them there. And Austin, 
Austin's the story, okay? He, this is the story, and that's why we talked about him first. But Austin's final round op opponent was near and dear to the, the Moser racing team and Luke Bogacki Motorsports as she appeared in her first ever national event final round. I, you know, I can only imagine as you watch Jessica roll up there, you guys finish talking strategy and all those things. I can only imagine your emotions at the time. You're a, you're a guy that not much excites you in bracket and sportsman racing any longer because you've been there, done that, and you've learned to control all the emotions that goes along with sitting in the seat. But this one had to feel quite a bit different, Luke. Dude, so, so proud of that woman and so happy for her, right, to, to get to, on that stage. And, and not just to like, it's not like she backed her way into the final. She 100%. I, I felt like it was the two right finalists with her in Austin. It was the, the two racers that I felt like drove best throughout the weekend. And I just, I know it's Austin Williams and I know it's Topeka. There was no doubt in my mind that she was going to get that wallet, right? And, and, I, and I know her day is coming. But yeah, to your point, um, <laughs> Jessica staged up six cars left early Sunday morning by run to the final hanging in the balance, which I, I was careful not to let her know. I think she ultimately figured it out on her own but I was not trying to put that pressure on her. And if you, you backtrack it, it wasn't a national event, but two weeks prior, she was racing for the buy to the semis at the divisional event and was one thou red against, a, I don't remember what her opponent was, but not good, like any shade of green wings, right? So it was kind of, it was devastating. And all I can think about is like, God, I hope she doesn't lose a heartbreak or, you know, something like that happened. And I'm telling you, me and the boys, we are standing on the back of the golf cart about mid-track for that run. It's 8 o'clock Sunday morning, six cars left. And I have never been so nervous at a drag race in my life. Like, I'm running <laughs> the weather over in my head 18 times. I'm looking at Jack, and I'm thinking, damn it, I didn't check the coil wire. I hope the coil wire don't fall. I like everything that could possibly go wrong and be my fault or, or some semblance of my fault. I'm scared to death about, right? Like, just, just let this, let this all go smooth and let her do what she does and make this final, like, this is going to be so huge. And when, yes, to your point, I'm, I'm, I'm pacing around the, the, the deck of the golf cart. And it's funny because we're riding back after the fact. And my four-year-old Jack's like, daddy, why'd you do this, this? Like he's reliving my reaction to the run, but he's like, daddy, right before mommy won, you went, oh, yes. And I'm like, no, 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 no. What happened? And then he reads again. He goes, no, no, no. You said, come on. Oh, yeah. What, what, what was that all about? And I'm like, well, so I'm trying to explain to my four-year-old, we're at the eighth mile. And when they came by us, it, it's eight o'clock in the morning. It's probably, I don't know, six, eight hundreds faster than any run that we've made all weekend, right? And her opponent has one or two more mile an hour than Jess. Well, I know that we're set up to go 87 and, and Jess is going to hit the brakes if she's behind. And as they come by us at the eight, her opponent is ahead. And I'm thinking he can't win up there. Right. So <laughs> as they come by us, I'm like, Oh, come on, come on. Just, 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 just do what, do what we're supposed to do. Right. And then what Jack's referring to is as they, they get closer to the finish line, I am simulating, like I'm trying to drop forward. I'm like, right. You know, <laughs> so I'm doing the hand motion. Like, oh. And then she drops to 90 with zero and the wind light comes on and I lost it. I jumped up. I mean, just, I've never, I don't, 
outside of like a round to maybe win the world championship. I've never had a reaction to that to any round that I've been in. And I was fired up, Big Jed. It was awesome. <laughs> I can only imagine how good that felt for her to get that you know, important win light to send her to her first final round. And she performed well in the final, just lost a, a tough race, obviously, to a, an all-star opponent. But um, she's really coming into her own. I know you're super proud of her. I'm super proud of her as well and excited for the next, uh, next time she gets to take the seat in the, in the 90 category, because, uh, you know, I, I feel like that wins right around the corner for her. She's, this had to be a huge confidence, confidence boost. She told me on the way home, she's saving it for Indy. So well, there you go. There you go. Nothing better to win than that. So great job. Um, to, I'm back sorry. In great. Austin, briefly, uh, obviously, predictably, really impressive on, on both ends throughout the event. Um, he didn't put together like the stellar box score and the tree moved around a little bit there, but never made a mistake at the finish line. Like, like I talked about before, dropped when he was supposed to drop, when it was time to take the stripe. I think the most he took all weekend was like 12th um, out, seven, take eight in the final, like just as unbeatable as you can be in that nature of racing when obviously a couple thousands here or there can change the outcome. Um, it, it's hard to say anybody's unbeatable, but Austin was dominant without question. Now, if he had it to, if he had his druthers, he'd have probably preferred uh, a win in super gas over a win in super comp. He's had a rough season in super comp to this point. Um, so that win didn't necessarily help him in the points chase. Whereas in super gas, he's, he's very much um, in the mix. It, it appears. And, and geez, you had mentioned, you know, our weekend was a good one, not any fault of mine, which is a hundred percent correct. I was out of competition before they started smelling hot dogs on Friday, on a Saturday morning. So that part wasn't good for, for my personal Supergas points chase. Um, but again, I, I've said this a few times, it appears to be a, a three-way battle at this point for the Supergas championship between the three of us that were one, two, three a year ago. It's, uh, it's John LaBoose Jr., it's Austin Williams, and it's myself. LaBoose has a really pivotal event coming up this weekend. The, the national event in Brainerd will be his last opportunity to earn points at a national event in his his divisional score is through the roof. His national score is putrid. Like to be completely honest, he hasn't, I don't think he's been out a second round in a national event. So it, it falls like this. If he were to lose early at Brainerd, he essentially has no shot. If he were to win Brainerd, he's in the driver's seat, right? So it's a huge weekend for him. And just knowing how talented John LaBoose Jr. is and how he performs under pressure, I fully expect that he'll hoist the Wally at weekend's end. And then this gets really interesting, right? Um, I think one of us, certainly, perhaps two, perhaps three, will crest 650 points, which is kind of that, that bar that, that we always set to say, if you get 650, you should win the world. And if you crest 650 and you don't win the world, then you got nothing to be ashamed of, right? I think it's, it's likely that, that perhaps all of us get there. Um, if we falter, because if, if, it's also very possible that, that – none of the three of us get over, I don't know, 620, right? If we falter and land somewhere in there, I think it opens it up to where a number of other competitors could, could jump up there and, and get this championship. I don't think it's necessarily limited to those three. Jim Perry, Val Torres, Phil Unruh. There's some others, Mike Boehner, um, that, that could certainly, I could see cresting the 600 point. If it gets up to 650, I don't know that anyone else can get up there with the races that are left, but it's going to be really interesting. And like I say, the, uh, LaBoose's performance at Brainerd this weekend will, will tell us a lot. 
Yeah, it will be very interesting, and as as it always is, and especially the years that that you're in the middle of it. You know, it's uh, it's going to be something that we'll watch closely here on the show, and um, certainly look forward to to seeing how this one ends up because uh, the the three that are looking like they have the best chance you know you're you're talking about a ton of talent and a ton of accomplishments among those three so good luck to you my friend and uh certainly i know you got your work cut out for you to to battle with these guys but uh, it'll be it'll be awesome to see if uh if you can go back to back yeah it'll be fun and and it, if it does come to fruition that it falls in some order the the three of us at the top like i don't i don't I don't want to say that's unprecedented, but it's definitely not common, right? For the, for it to be the same top three in a nationally from one year to the next, like I'd have to get McKenna or, or Austin would probably be as good as anybody at researching that. But if that were to actually end that way, I think that's really, really rare as well. So pretty cool stuff. Yep. No doubt about it. All right. So if Austin Williams holds the, if Austin Williams owns Heartland Motorsports Park, at least for the weekend, my man Tyler Castle was living there rent-free. Tyler Castle came into Topeka undefeated in national event finals. Now, that sounds really good, but truth be told, he was 1-0. He left Topeka undefeated in national event finals and tripled the number of wins. Tyler Castle came to Topeka. He saw Topeka. He conquered Topeka. Double victory becomes the 29th driver in NHRA history to join the elusive double club with a win in stock eliminator and super stock. Um, it made both finals. And honestly, as he was preparing for both finals, I thought, man, that's awesome. Tyler Castle is in both finals, but whoo boy, he's got his work cut out for him. He faced a daunting task coming into the final round. Final round of stock, he's paired with Tyler Bohannon, recent Million dollar race winner, a young man who we've sung the praises of for over a year, just in terms of his talent, his ability, his versatility, everything, right? So you got Tyler Bohannon in one final. And oh, by the way, after that, when you come back for Superstock, you get to run five time, no, four time, right? Plus your four, four time NHRA world champion, Greg Stanfield, reigning NHRA world champion, Greg Stanfield. You can't like either final round draw. Tyler Castle gets it done in both. He had a great stock final with Tyler Bohannon. Tyler, it, it, to speak on Tyler's behalf, his worst run of the weekend was in the final. He's 36 and dead on. That tells you the, the caliber of runs he was making throughout the weekend. And 36 and dead on in stock eliminator at Topeka, as we talked about before. That, not unbeatable, but that's a good lap. Tyler Castle got under it, right? Um, 25, one above, got the win by 10 thousandths of a second. Then he comes back. They give him enough time to, to get cool down, get settled. I believe the Superstock final didn't run until after the pros. So, you know, he had, which almost makes it tougher. You know, you've got another, what, 30, 40 minutes to, to sit and think about how cool it would be to double up opposite Greg Stanfield. And uh, Tyler got away with one in the final. He missed the tree really for the one of a few times over the weekend. And Greg Stanfield turns it to Thou red enabling the elusive double up for one Tyler Castle. Yeah, huge accomplishment. Obviously, winning both of those categories is uh, is a great accomplishment. But when you do it against obviously one of the best that's ever going to have ever competed in Superstock in Stanfield, and then you get 
by Tyler Bohannon in stock. Uh, that's got to put a little icing on that cake and make that extra special. Uh, come into the event with one national event win out of one try and you leave three out of three when doubling up when winning both categories. Very, very impressive by Tyler Castle. That's uh, that's one that will never be forgotten in his camp, I'm sure. A quick aside on Craig Stanfield. His runner-up obviously aids his quest to repeat in what would be, I don't think I'm mistaken, I think this would be world championship number five in Superstock if he holds on. Did he win three in a row or four in a row? I think he won three in a row and then one last year. We've talked about it a million times. I should have this straight. Stanfield's runner-up. How about this? It was his fifth final of 2022. He's been to eight races. Wow. It's a pretty good track record. So <laughs> yes. we, we've talked about the season that Ryan McClanahan is having, that he's in the midst of. Ryan McClanahan has had a tremendous season to this point. Let's take nothing away from him. At this point, following Greg Stanfield's runner-up in Topeka, Stanfield now trails McClanahan by just eight points. That's less than one full round. And Stanfield has a full event to claim. So when he stages at his next national event, he's two and a half rounds ahead of Ryan McClanahan. And Ryan McClanahan has done very little wrong this season. Stanfield just, what's the round record on that? If you've been to, to five finals, let's assume that they were, let's just say that they were all six round races for the sake of it. So it's 15, because of three wins, 23 and two, and then a couple of quarterfinal finishes. He's, he's looking at somewhere in the neighborhood of like 30 and four on the season, 30 and five on the season. That's nuts. Yeah, absolutely amazing round record. Obviously, again, his talent is undeniable and um, his accomplishments are as well. But, you know, you think about how long. Stanfield's been in the game and still out there getting it done. That, that's to me is what just makes it so impressive. Uh, obviously has raced at the, the top level in pro stock and accomplished a ton there, but to, to get back to his sportsman ranks the last couple of two or three seasons where he's spending way more time letting go of the button instead of the clutch pedal and these kind of results really, really impressive by Stanfield once again and putting himself in the driver's seat to hoist that big Wally at the end of the year one more time. It's uh, it's pretty amazing what he's accomplished. And he's, I mean, he's won so many Superstock World Championships. I've lost count, obviously. <laughs> A couple of side <laughs> notes from Topeka. My man Jordan Pratt captures his first national event Wally. Um, that, that may not be newsworthy to everyone, special to me, Jordan. Uh, one of our team members at This Is Bracket Racing Elite, close friend of mine, and uh, drove great. Uh, got away with one in the semis, but but was definitely worthy of his first national event, Wally. It was cool to see, especially knowing that uh, just a couple of weeks ago at Topeka, Jordan lost on a heartbreaker, just missed out on claiming the Jags All-Stars uh, title for Division 5, the chance to represent Division 5 at Indy. So I know that he was heartbroken and bitter about that to come back and follow that up. Two weeks later with the, the biggest win of his career. Pretty special stuff. Jordan Pratt wins Super Street at Topeka. Don Nichols wins Super Gas over Red Lighting Bo Butner. Our man, Big Jet, our man Anthony Bertozzi continues his recent personal hot streak with the top dragster victory at Topeka in his bracket car. 
right? Going rolling along at 7:30s there in the Heartland over Paul Nero, uh, two former world champions, two guys going slow, quote unquote slow by today's terms in, in top dragsters. It was a it was a seven second final. But how about Bertozzi's last month? He wins super stock at the Jeg Sports Nationals in Columbus. By the way, Bertozzi he likes Jeg Sport Nationals. He's won five of those. It's almost like Austin Williams at Topeka. Bertozzi's are spread around Columbus, Belrose, maybe Bowling Green. Definitely Columbus and Belrose for the Jag Sports Nationals. He follows that up with a dominant performance that we talked about at Virginia Motorsports Park, where he won the opening 30 grander, runnered up the closing 30 grander. And oh, by the way, in the middle, his team driver, John LaBoose Jr., won the 75 grander. That's a good weekend. And now gets the top drags to win in his bracket car. And as you would only expect, Big Jed, an epic post-race interview from one Anthony Bertozzi. I did not get to, to see that or hear that, but I would love to. Uh, I'm sure there was a dog in there somewhere, but, um, you know, it's, it's so good to be Antoine. I mean, these are just the things we know that has happened to him on the track, Luke. I mean, if, if we could just go behind the scenes and, and get a little inside baseball and, and see what happens with Antoine during the week, you know, where he's down in Florida riding his big boat and hanging out with, you know, Miss uh, Miss Kathy. And she, I mean, just, I mean, this it's just incredible what the, the life he lives and to have all this talent and still look that good at his age. If this guy couldn't cook as good as he cooks and he says, come on, we can get you one in porch out, dog. If he wasn't that good to me, this is a guy I'd hate. I mean, he's just too easy to hate, but I, but I love him. He's just, he's that awesome. I think there was to, to your post-race interview reference. I think there was a this I've been doing this 40 years dog. So yeah, I'm sure <laughs> got to be a dog and there's always a dog. You're right though. It, it should, you, Anthony shouldn't be a likable guy. He's got it all. Like at least from the outside, yeah. life is rough. And I don't know anybody that's met Anthony that doesn't like him. Nah, you gotta love him. <laughs> all right. So Bertozzi claims national event win. Number, I don't know if you can play in it, can combine NHRA and IHRA there might be a hundred there. Um, Todd Stahlbomber wins top sportsman over Greg Lair. Doug Engels defeats Bruno Massa Jr. in the competition eliminator final. I did think it was notable. I, I, I made a, a note as it happened, and I thought I'd revisit. Now, in retrospect, it's probably not as big a deal. But there were two monster matchups, championship caliber matchups, that may not prove as pivotal in the end as they felt in the moment. One in top sportsman, one in competition eliminator. Both in round two, top sportsman, Don Mazir, who we talked about for the last, what, six months as being a championship front runner. Opposite, Lance Abbott, who we just talked about a couple of weeks ago. Being, ho, ho, there's a new sheriff in town and top sportsman, right? Look, look at Lance Abbott. Here he comes beating his drum. Well, the two go head to head. Round two of top sportsman. Mazir gets that win. And you think, oh, that, that, you, that's one that you could look back on in November and say that was the pivotal round of the season. Unfortunately for Don Mazir, he falls short the next round in a heartbreaker. He's three thou red. His opponent, Greg Lair, who went on to the runner-up, is red behind him. So it's a sure win if it's green. Who knows where that goes? So in the end, I guess defeating Lance Abbott keeps him from earning points. 
but Mazir was not able to capitalize on that and take it to a, a final round or an event win like he obviously would have hoped to do. So who knows if, if that particular matchup ends up being as pivotal as I, as I thought it would. Competition Eliminator, similar scenario. It's the two guys that, that I drafted in our, in our uh, snake draft with, with Kevin McKenna, two guys that I felt like at that time it, were championship front runners. And now are, are certainly among perhaps a bigger group of contenders, and that's Chase Williams and David Eaton. They pair up in round two of competition eliminator. And not only is that a pivotal round because it's the two guys that are arguably the, the, the championship favorites going at it. They're also racing for a buy run the next round. So it's a two for one, it's a really pivotal round, at least on paper. And then they live up to the hype. Keep in mind, it is Topeka. It is hot, it is nasty. It is no kind of fast for anything. So you're not going to see a bunch of like 60 under comp cars. Chase Williams, 25 on the tree. 50 under, solid run. Opposite David Eaton, 28 on the tree, 49 under. The margin of victory is what, a hundredth of a second, 11 thousandths of a second, Chase Williams' way. Gets that by the next round, but then, similar to Don Mazir, Williams falls to Bruno Massel in the semis. Another good race. Williams made a nice run, but you're not keeping up with Bruno uh, very often, particularly in the conditions at Topeka. So, the semifinal obviously helps Chase Williams. The second round loss obviously hurts David Eaton. Will that ultimately prove pivotal for with world championship uh, implications? Uh, time will tell. But uh, I thought it was interesting that we had back-to-back matchups. These, these happened within half an hour among the two forefront championship contenders in both top sportsmen and competition women. Yeah, definitely noteworthy, and um, we'll see how impactful those wins and losses were here in just a matter of weeks to maybe a couple of months and see how all this plays out, maybe put a star by uh, those matchups and see how they impact the, the championship chase. Luke, that wraps up the NHRA action that uh, we had over the weekend, but we had a couple of Really good-looking bottom bulb races. Um, one was um, the uh, the FRBR event, the uh, Door Wars, a footbrake experience at MIR, put on by uh, Andy Anderson and uh, Shane Swigert. Those guys um, have a, a really good promotion team, and they put on great events. Had a 10, 20, and 10 at MIR uh, off the foot. And uh, this is not just bottom bulb. This is foot brake racing. So love to see these guys getting after it. And uh, looked like they had a really good crowd um, and a lot of talent up through there. Uh, those guys draw a great northeastern crowd and uh, certainly did another uh, showed another uh, gr- had another great showing. Excuse me in uh, in Maryland over the weekend. Um, they started out with a Thursday gambler race where Austin Yount got the win over Brandon Skelly and Friday they uh, had a 10 grander first up and that was Brandon Michaels over Daryl Holmes. Brandon came uh, to Bristol last year and performed very well. He's coming back to the uh, Labor Day 250k so looking forward to seeing Brandon there and then getting after him again this year. They Brandon's uh, had a, a Brandon's a guy like we don't we don't talk about him in the same breath that we do uh, in the Castings or Charlie Lockhart or Lucas Walker. 
he's had about as good a calendar year as anybody. But that dude has won a bunch of big dollar bottom ball races that just keep accumulating in uh, equipment that obviously is, is good and is working for him, but it's not what you would best necessarily pick out of the crowd as saying, like, that's the ultimate footbrake car, right? Yeah, very good point. Uh, I guess a mid to late 90s, maybe early 2000s Camaro um, small tire car, deep staging, high sixes, low sevens, according to where he's racing it, rolls are deep and just uh, really performs well. Um, got a lot of uh, a lot of tricks up his sleeve. Brandon can uh, play any strategy that needs to be played to to get out there and compete on a high level. So yeah, look, very good point. It's a, it's a talented guy and had a, has had a tremendous last uh, last ten to twelve months for sure. Um, they had a gambler's race after the main event on Friday where Travis Hill got the win over Steve Dustin. Steve, I think, is uh, continuing to, to get some final round appearances as well. Um, good for him to get another one there in the gambler's race. Saturday was the main event, Luke. That was a $20,000 to win foot brake race, which is pretty rare air for the foot brake racers. So that's a huge deal. And uh, it showed out. I think that was their biggest crowd. Uh, really, really good numbers there. And A.J. Jenkins was the final round uh, champion there, getting the win over Peter Kivett. Peter, uh, a talented guy from that area that has shown up in uh, in some final rounds, late big money final rounds many a times. And A.J., I think uh, his biggest win to date, that $20,000 win, $20, win. So huge deal there for, for Mr. Jenkins. That was great. Uh, they had another gambler's race after that 20K main event where Trish Witt got the win over Dave Harvey Jr. We all know Dave Harvey Jr. and his success in big money events, and he performed really well and showed up with a runner-up there in the gambler's race. And Sunday wrapped it up, Luke, with another $10,000 to win main event race where Matt Richeza got the win over Jesse Betterton. Both Matt and Jesse will be making an appearance Labor Day weekend in Bristol. And um, those guys, very, very talented. Matt uh, won uh, one of our races last year at the Labor Day event. Uh, if I remember, I think it was a gambler's race. I, I should have been a little better prepared, but I'm pretty sure he won one of our gambler's races. But Matt um, is a talented guy. And uh, Jesse Betterton, we know how great Jesse is. He just continues to show up in big money final rounds. So all in all, great event there from the FRBR team. And MIR looked like um, it was on keel. Great staff there, great event. And I think they had really good weather on top of everything else. So congrats to all the winners and final round appearances made there by the racers and uh, of note um, Dave Harvey Jr. was the lone semi-finalist in that Sunday 10k so imagine that worked out pretty good for him he left with more than he came with so we'll see Dave trying to um, uh, cap his last year $110,000 win at Bristol with uh, with another one here really soon he'll be down competing so talented bunch up there great race and um, you know Lots of typical winners, I guess, if for lack of a better word, but some new faces too. It was really a refreshing event. It was streamed, Luke, by Diamond State Digital, which is uh, kind of a new group 
that's uh, streaming some races. They did one of the loose rocker races and uh, they did this race. Really good coverage. Um, you know, I'm a motor mania guy. I love Mark and Joanne. Um, big fans of theirs and, and certainly have a great working relationship with them. But um, this was pretty good coverage. I doubt you got to tune in with all you had going on, but it's pretty good coverage overall from Diamond State Digital. All in all, really good, refreshing foot break race there in the Northeast. Yeah, I think, um, I, I, like you, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Motor Mania, but I think, uh, I think competition is good, right? Keep everybody on their toes a little bit, probably make a better product for all of us. Side note, Big Jed, on your, on your internal list of, I don't know, top 25 racer names, where does Matt Richeza rank? I love uh, Matt, Matt Richeza is, um, is definitely a top 25 name, yeah. but um, Richeza is just, it's a little bit challenging. You know, I, I know it. But it, it looks like you could read that just a little bit different if you had to. So that's just like I, a scope. Yeah, I mean, we know that because we know it's Richeza. Richeza. Like I just but, I want Matt to win more just so I can keep saying Richeza. Richeza is a a good name, but like I say, it's a it's a little different. So it'd be top twenty five. It wouldn't make top ten. No offense to Matt, but just wouldn't get there. So Luke, that wraps up uh, that. And by the way. Um, um, you talked about competition's good, and competition is good, but heck, Motor Mania, between their two or three crews, I think they stream 40 to 50 races a year. I doubt they can do any more. I think the market was calling for more options yeah. is why, you know, you're getting people like Diamond State Digital uh, getting in the game and, um, you know, certainly got Bang Shift out west and there might be one or two more. We know uh, Thomas Gall, Gall Stars, uh, doing a little bit of that as well. Basically, I think focusing on his stuff for the most part. So, there's we're going to see some more of this. But Motormania TV is the standard uh, by which all are judged. So, if uh, if you're thinking about getting in this game, folks, certainly Motormania TV is uh, is the people that you need to try to. I wouldn't say copy, but was it emulate? Is that what, is that the yeah, word? That's I nailed it. <laughs> so, my vocabulary is so good. So good. Don't think that's not going in the shots. Yeah. I'm going, I'm going straight from using the word emulate in the right spot to talking about the hooting nanny. No box open. Uh, my good friend, Brian Yeager and CJ Yeager putting on the no box open, the hooting nanny, no box open at Dragway. 42 these guys are really doing a good job with their events they promote the crap out of them they make sure that they give you some great competitive racing for good purses and these guys are just fun to be around they have good fun stuff so they had another strong event there at dragway 42 the the uh, inaugural hootenanny no box open friday had a 5k main event uh, those guys got near 200 entries in that. That was a really good crowd for them. Uh, Joe Suchek Jr. Okay, did you see that? Suchek, I think I nailed that. Pretty sure I, I, I think I got that right, but uh, I, I can't remember. I got told one time what it is, but nonetheless, Joe got the win over Stephen Davenport. They had a 32-car, uh, $4,000 win high roller event Friday night after the main event. My old buddy Vic Ellinger got the win, a wise coal man, man that uh, supplies the pistons for 
uh, lots and lots of people out there, uh, Vic, getting a win over TJ Jordan. Good to see TJ uh, Wired Designs. If you're seeing Wired Designs on Facebook and uh, starting to see some of the great things they're doing decal-wise, numbers and, and names, that is TJ Jordan. So good to see TJ make that high roller final round. And then they had a low roller, a 2K to win a race that same Friday night where Caleb Ellison, the next big thing, got to win over Charlie Moore Jr. So Friday looked like a very successful day for him. Great start. Then Sunday was a $9,000 to win main event. For no box racing, Luke, again, that's bottom bulb stuff. That's a, that's a significant purse and, uh, you know, a, a definitely a huge day for the bottom bulb community. And uh, they had 243 entries, so really strong crowd for those guys. And a couple of bad dudes got it done. Jaden Durst got the win in that $9,000 main event. Getting a win over my old buddy Phil Billy. Phil Billy Combs, he just got, you know, I don't know if you keep up with Phil Billy, Luke. He changes cars like he does underwear, and maybe even more often. Uh, and Phil Billy took a basically a truck he just put together, a little red S10, and uh, takes it to a 9K final round. So big day for him, and uh, certainly... Uh, a huge performance there getting to the final round with Jaden Durst uh, shut him down there for the, for the $9,000 check. Uh, had some junior dragsters, Kyle Penn over Ava Lawson in a 32 car shootout has Saturday night duck race. Luke where little Phil Billy got the win over Brian green. So little Phil putting his name on one of the, the good checks there. And then they wrapped it up Sunday, Luke with a 5k main event. Uh, where they had 180 entries, pretty strong crowd there for a Sunday. And Casey Black got the win over John Lowry. John will uh, be attending the Labor Day 250K as well. And their 32-car Sunday junior race was won again by Kyle Penn, two for two with a win over Dexter Gomez. Really great event at Dragway 42. The inaugural Hootenanny No Box Open, certainly um, – Probably going to see plenty more of these throughout the years. And again, uh, the Jaeger boys just doing it up big and uh, and putting on a great show for the no box racers there in that area. So congrats to all those winners and the Jaeger team for uh, for all they accomplished in their inaugural event. I'm sure it will only get better. How about Kyle Penn running the table in the junior dragster category? I don't know. I don't know if he's already done so, but uh, if not, Kyle, you got to get the uh, get a resume in for the the King of the Coast uh, Invitational, right? That's pretty impressive stuff, right there. I'm curious, yes. Big Jed. We talk about Phil Billy. You talked about Phil Billy. He's he's. I, I get the impression that he's he's calmed down a little bit in recent years, right? Not not quite as brash, not quite as outspoken. Give me your just off the cuff. Give me your best Phil Billy story. Oh man, my best Phil Billy story. Um, it, it's really not. Uh, it's really not a on track story. Um, it is more so, and, and there's been several of them. So I won't single out anyone in particular. Uh, but Phil Billy is a guy that has the ability to fix anything, Luke. I mean, it, he's he is a quick thinker. He's a, he's a, I can patch this 
and it'll be patched, but it'll be as, as good or more gooder than it was when it wasn't patched. If you need and, somebody to make chicken salad out of chicken in short yes. order, it was your guy, Yes, right? yes. He is your guy. And uh, I've called on him a couple of times at events that he's participated in that I was putting on. And um, when anybody is broken in the pits, and I'm talking about, it's unbelievable how fast he works and how accurate he is and how he can just get anything fixed and get a car to the lanes. He has done this two or three times, but my best one was at Holly Springs. Phil Billy is uh, down there with, uh, with Nick Hastings and a few, and Nick had some trouble with his little hot rod and I think it broke a pickup tube or something, you know, struggling with some oil pressure. And those cats, Phil Billy leading the charge, pulled the engine out of a Pontiac T-1000, fixed that jewel, and got it back in in time for him to continue racing. And it was super impressive. You know, they got the tractor and picked the engine up and did that whole deal. But they... You know, you don't see many guys pulling the engine out of their door car to work on it at a race and then getting it back in. And especially that little T-1000, you know, they had four four to six hands in there and they were all touching each other. I mean, that thing was just little and everybody's <laughs> laying all over each other. Phil Billy just, he's impressive. He When he jumps in a situation like that, he is not a worker. He, he takes charge and takes the lead and makes sure he's directing the team. And he always does it extremely well, but watching them pull that engine out. And I'm not even sure they were planning to pull the engine out, but typical Phil Billy styles like, uh, okay, let's get a tractor and, and get, you know, this and that. And they're like, why we need that? And he's like, we're fixing to pull this engine out. We're going to fix it. And so you can get back up there and race. And that's exactly what happened. So a uh, really, really cool dude willing to help anybody. He's fiery. He's fiery, Luke. You know this, but his fire doesn't. It still gets lit these days, but just don't get quite as hot as it used to. And the flame don't get quite as high as it used to, but uh, Phil is still a fiery guy, which, uh, which I love about him. Well, I, you probably gathered this, Jed, but I teed you up to tee myself up. I, and I, I apologize. Definitely. I know I, far be it for me to tell stories on the podcast. That never happens. And I think I've told some stories about Phil before. If I've told this one, I, I apologize. But if nothing else those close to Phil and, and maybe his kids at this point, you know, that, that don't get to see as much, you know, the, the, the younger side of Phil, you'll appreciate this. So we'll go back in time. Shoot. I'm going to date myself probably close to 15 years ago. Mm. Yeah. I bet it's 15 years ago. So <clears throat> the drag bracket series, the original, um, they went through a stint where like, basically every race paid five grand off the bottom, which was a lot of money in the, the mid to late 2000s, right? So it got all of the racers that, that were running Super Pro, like most of us would try to hit the bottom, right? Including Edmund Richardson, Scotty Richardson, Clayton Clark was a regular at those events. Uh, Benny Gossett went to a lot of them, like a, a lot of names that you would recognize now, right? And, uh, and a lot of us that were predominantly top ball guys kind of crossing over because we paid so much why you, you could not. And so the first time that I ever met Phil, we are at um, a little track in Kentucky. It was, uh, it's had a bunch of different names. I think it was called Bluegrass at the time. It might be I-64 now. And it's, I don't know, 
second round of this $5,000 to win no box race. And I pulled to the lanes and Edmund Richardson is the only one in the lane. So I don't even remember what lane I was intending to run, but like, I don't want all of that smoke. I pulled in behind Edmund Richardson, right? As did the next 30 cars, just stack up behind Edmund and myself to the point I'm like, well, I'm going to flip the lanes with Edmund. And around the corner comes bebopping up this old orange truck. First car up in the right, don't go, right? And I'm leaned against the fence going, okay, well, this, this poor guy here probably don't know what he's getting into, right? Out of the truck, I mean like he's, like the seat's on fire. Pops, Phil Combs. Edmund, who I'm, I, we're not together, right? Like he's probably 15 feet from me, leaned up against the same fence that I'm leaned up against. Phil hops out of this thing. And just without hesitation, looks at Edmund, points at him, goes, that's right. I come here for you. And I went, oh, my God. <laughs> Who's this guy? <laughs> and he ain't so much got the words out of his mouth. He turns to me with the same finger and says, and when I'm done with him, I'm coming for you. I thought, what in the world? Who's this guy? Right? <laughs> so you can just imagine Edmund, right? I'm sorry. I think trying to figure out to remember exactly how this played out. There must've been a car between Edmund and I, right? Don't remember who it was. And so you can just imagine how this is playing out in Edmund's mind. Like, oh, you know, go for what you wish for, right? You, you can hear it, right? And so they come down and, and they tell Edmund that he's got the buy run and he tries to deny it. I don't want it. That's my pair right there. They tell him he can't deny it. He's got to pull out for the buy run, okay? So then, uh, Phil beats whoever was in between us, comes back the next round, beats Edmund, comes back later in the race, beats me. Like, rolled through everybody he said he was going to roll through. And it, that was the day I got to know who Phil Combs was and what he's all about. That's Phil Billy. That's, that is Phil Billy uh, in a nutshell. He, he will call his shot, and most times he is absolutely right. He, he nails it. Uh, talented guy, but uh, huge heart. A lot of fire in him. He's got a great heart, and he's willing to help anybody. Uh, he he might uh, punch you in the nose third round because of something you did or said to him, but if he sees you where you can't get started fourth round, he'll be the first one under your car uh, trying to change the starter or jump it out or whatever he's got to do. Just real real good guy, great for racing, and uh, and his boys are following suit. That's a talented, talented group. Uh, so happy to see him always. Anytime he's performing well, happy to see that. Luke, uh, that was not the only racing. There was some top bulb racing at New Media. Uh, those guys had the New Media Big Bucks event there where some very familiar and popular and common names visited the winter circle. Cisco, uh, he performed very well. I think uh, he won the, the 10 grander, if I remember right. Uh, Kyle Cotrera, you might have heard that name. This guy's super hot and stays hot. I mean, it's every year he stays hot. Won a 20K. And then our man, Peter, the Terminator, got the uh, 10K wrap up win on Sunday driving Timmy Markadlu's car. Um, Cisco Cotrera, Biondo, uh, some pretty, uh, pretty familiar names in the winner's circle loop. It doesn't get much better than that, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's Cisco Coltrera, Peter, and and Peter the Great, right? But Peter the Great is, I don't like. 
I've vacillated on this for so many years. Now Peter's one more recently than Scotty. Looks like Scotty's off working for a living again. So, so right now to this like instant, Peter the greatest, right? Until Scotty wins again. <laughs> yeah, well, if he if Scotty gets back to the track, he will win again, and then the debate will continue to to heat up. But either way, uh, both of them certainly amazing talent, especially as long as those guys have been turned on wind lights. But congrats to those guys. Uh, congrats to the uh, Domino family and the folks here at New Media. Another great event put on by them, and uh, it looked like it was well attended. So, Luke, that pretty much wraps us up. We've got a little bit of racing that we'll talk about on the next show. We've got the Brainerd National Event and uh, NHRA. Uh, where, um, you know, I'd, I would love to hear somebody's story from the zoo. I'm sure that it will be as wild and crazy as ever. Uh, I know you've spent some time there and seen the zoo yourself. If the forecast holds true, it promises to be a muddy zoo, which definitely adds a layer to it. So, yeah, there could be some great stories coming out of the zoo. <laughs> that is next level. Um, the Trip 12s at Muncie, uh, West May and, and the folks there at Muncie, Putting on three twelve granders, that's going to be a really good event. That's uh, always a, a track full of a lot of talent and great racers. So look forward to seeing who emerges as the winners there. And uh, then some bracket action at Grand Bend and Lebanon Valley uh, that hopefully we get a chance to chat about as well. But a um, little light on the racing here in uh, mid-August, but that's really going to start heating up this fall We'll start having some major, major events, both uh, in NHRA competition and bracket competition. So that wraps us up, bud. We uh, we had a great show here. This was good stuff. Um, folks, if you, uh, if you didn't like the show, we really don't want to hear from you. But if you did like something and you want to discuss it more, uh, we would love for you to, to reach out to us there on the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast Facebook page where you can post it publicly for everyone to see. Or you can send us a private message and producer Mark will snag that baby up and uh, and put that in our inbox so we, we know what you said and what you had to talk about. We'd love to hear from you there on the uh, Facebook page, so please reach out to us and tell us what you think. Luke, you uh, mentioned shouts a little earlier, so I know that you've uh, made some shout notes, and I'm looking forward to hearing what you got on the, the table today. Shouts to capital J Journalism and Shouts to Reckless Speculation. Shouts to Emulate and the Hoot Nanny and a Muddy Zoo. Shouts to Greg Stanfield. He's won so many damn Superstock World Championships. I couldn't even remember how many. Thought I better go back on that. It's five going on six, Big Jed. He got the three in a row. He got four in five years early in his career, plus wow. one in 2021. Shouts to... Producer Mark, we somehow we pulled this off without him this week. That's a, that's a rare feat. I say that. Wait till it, ain't it over. actually appears in your news feed before we yes. get for pulling this off. It ain't over yet. <laughs> it says it's recording. I think that's a good sign. Um, yeah. All right. Wow. Shouts to Producer Mark. Shouts to – what did I miss? What did I miss? Oh, yeah. Shouts to Anthony Bertozzi being too good looking. Shouts to dogs everywhere. Most importantly, shouts to Matt Richeza. Keep winning, Matt. I like saying Richeza. Yeah, that is fun to say. Great list of shouts. Uh, certainly, um, congrats to everybody that got their name mentioned. As I mean, it's becoming like a like a bucket list type thing to get a shout out and Luke's shout. So, 
I know every one of those people will be super excited to hear their name mentioned. Folks, if you tweet and, you know, I'm not one to, I don't want to name drop and that type of stuff, but Luke and I were tagged in a Twitter post by Clay Milliken. Glad you brought and, this up. This, this was shout worthy and I missed it. Yes. Clay was mentioning that he was catching up. He's on the road. You know, he's racing for a living at Topeka, and he's on the road. Just tuning in to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast because Clay listens to the podcast. Um, and, uh, and he gave Luke and I a little love there on the Twitter, saying that uh, he was catching up on the show. And uh, I just happened to notice uh, that John Force liked it. So, I mean, what? you're talking about. You're talking about the, the highest level of racing. You got Clay Milliken, uh, a, a many-time IHRA champion, an NHRA top fuel winner, and just an all-around great guy. He's, he's tagging us in a Twitter post. And then John Force, he's accomplished Ooh. a few things. He comes in and likes it. I mean, this show's blowing up, Luke. It is blowing up. The GOAT liked a tweet that we were mentioning? What? <laughs> not Listen, our tweet, we, of course. <laughs> we, no, not, not our tweet. Now, we, we were discussing this a little bit off air. There, there are two, and, and really only two, potential explanations for this. The explanation that, that, that I came up with is, is Fat Finger John Force just slipping on the like button. The explanation that you came up with, probably far more plausible. Yeah, obviously somebody manages his page and that person likes Clay and just kind of follows Clay and thought, you know what, this ain't getting much attention because I don't know what a sportsman drag racing podcast is, but I'm going to give it a like just because I like Clay. So that's probably what happened, but we don't care. <laughs> We're claiming it. <laughs> that's right. Uh, but that does, uh, that does make you feel good that that clay listens to the show we love that guy and, and we're wishing him well out on the pro tour and cool to see his pro buddies uh, liking what we uh getting tagged in but if you tweet you know you don't have to be clay milliken you don't have to be a pro to tag us or add us or whatever you do on twitter just do it and we'd love to see what you have to say as well yeah, yeah uh, you can all you have to do is get john force to like it we'll talk about it Exactly. It really doesn't matter what the tweet says. But uh, if you if you want to do any of that, please do. Luke is at Luke Bogacki, B-O-G-A-C-K-I. I am at JP11X. We'd love to hear from you right there on the tweeter. So make sure you tag us or add us. And that wraps up this show. We appreciate you listening. We thank you for tuning in this long. And we'll be back real soon. We can't wait to talk to you real soon about more Sportsman Drag Racing. Enrollment in This Is Bracket Racing Elite is now open. You've heard me discuss or at least reference This Is Bracket Racing Elite. It is the premier offering of our website, thisisbracketracing.com. Elite is a membership community designed specifically to help you get from where you are today as a racer to who you want to be as a racer. Led by knowledgeable professionals, Justin Lamb and myself are longtime instructors and we bring in a host of guests, racers that you know, racers that you respect, led by knowledgeable instructors and surrounded by supportive peers that are ultimately striving for the same goal in their own unique way. The truth is at each event, 
there are a hundred plus entries. There's one winner. At the end of each season, there's one champion. That feeling, not so much the money, not so much the trophy, that feeling of achievement, that sense of accomplishment, that tip of the cap from your peers, that's why we do this. You can dream of that feeling all you want, or you can take action, take steps toward becoming that racer. If you're ready to take the first step, this is Bracket Racing Elitist for you. Enrollment is open now for a limited time. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite before we close the doors again on December the 8th.